DW Africa League. Hello and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with what's happening in Africa and beyond. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on Facebook at DW Africa and share your thoughts on the stories we're covering. Coming up on the program, DRC election campaigns heat up as insecurity intensifies in the volatile East. The electoral campaign is taking place in a situation of total insecurity in Kilia. Six people were also victims of this insecurity. In Mangina, 11 people were massacred. So many voters are dying during the election campaign. Meanwhile, a new Congo River alliance, including M23 rebels, has sparked a diplomatic row between Kenya and the DRC. This movement was launched in a country which is supposed to be a partner of DRC in the Eastern African Community Organization. You know, this is uh, something that is not uh, understandable. Stay tuned for the details after the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Keith Walker. Kenya and the European Union have signed a trade agreement. The deal will beef up Kenya's economic development and create new economic opportunities. It will also give Kenya duty-free and quota-free access to the EU, its biggest export market, while European goods will receive progressive tariff reductions. DW's Nairobi correspondent Felix Maringa has more. Some of the EU's imports are mainly vegetables, fruits and flowers, while EU's exports to Kenya are mainly minerals, chemical products and machinery. The Economic Partnership Agreement opens a doorway for all goods from Kenya except arms to access the EU market without tariffs. The agreement was signed on Monday in Nairobi with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and Kenyan President William Ruto. I am therefore proud to be here today to witness this historic milestone in our journey of national economic transformation. It is clear now more than ever that the future holds greater promise than was understood previously and that agreements like this go a long way to define our promise as a nation. This agreement also mirrors our shared values. It includes provisions on labor rights and on gender equality, and the most ambitious provisions on climate and environment that we have ever had in a trade agreement with an African country. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. Nigerian nationals in South Africa have marched to the offices of the police provincial commissioner in Johannesburg, protesting against what they described as their ill treatment by police. They accuse the police of unnecessary targeting, intimidation and harassing Nigerian nationals in Johannesburg. DW South Africa correspondent Tuso Kamalo reports from Johannesburg. The small group of angry protesters handed a long list of grievances to the police. They demanded answers following the death of Nigerian national Izoa Nat, who recently died in police custody following his arrest. They also accused the police of carrying out violent raids on their homes and businesses. In one such raid that was recently conducted by police in Hilbro, Johannesburg, they allege that several of them were brutally beaten and their properties damaged while money and goods were stolen. Police said they would respond once they have studied the petition. 
In Guinea, an explosion at an oil terminal in the capital Conakry has killed at least eight people and injured dozens. Authorities have ordered schools to close and urged workers to stay at home. It happened in the early hours of Monday. The cause of the fire has not been disclosed. The depot supplies most of Guinea's fuel and the incident has raised fears of a major supply disruption. Finally, the Vatican says it will allow priests to bless same-sex couples. However, it says such blessings are not a sign of the Catholic Church's approval and cannot happen as part of a religious ceremony. And that's the latest Africa Link News. Thanks, Walker, and thank you so much for sticking with us on the program Africa Link. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Michael Jr. is my name. Remember to comment on the stories we're covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Chi Valentina says hello from South Africa. David Inchamba listening. Also, a lot of people tuning from different parts of the continent. You are very welcome to the program. Now, with 48 hours to go to the general elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo, in Security remains a challenge for the population. Even presidential candidates say they are struggling to campaign and fear for their lives. And Eddie, you know, it's not difficult to understand why. That's right, Josie. Last weekend, a legislative candidate was killed and his teammate wounded by bullets during the election campaign in Beni territory. Civil society is calling on the authorities to step up security for voters, candidates and election materials. Zanem Zaidi has more. Candidate Joseph Chomba was ambushed by armed men on the Beni Kasindi Road near the village of Makisabo in eastern DRC. They shot him on his way to Mangina with his campaign team. Another member of his team was wounded in the arm and is being treated at Beni General Hospital. Laments Bernard Capitula, his colleague who belongs to the same political party. Campaigning in these regions is really difficult because we campaign in very difficult conditions of insecurity. Our candidate for national deputy, Kasongo, had held a meeting in a village in Beni territory. He now wanted to go to another village for another meeting, but unfortunately he was shot dead by a non-assailant 100 meters from where he had held the meeting. This situation worries Beni Savile Society, which deplores the recurrence of security incidents in the electoral process, in addition to the assassination of the candidate Pepe Kavota, president of Savile Society, deplores the attacks attributed to the allied democratic forces against a dozen civilians in Mangina last weekend. The electoral campaign is taking place in a situation of total insecurity. Just yesterday evening in Kilia, six people were also victims of this insecurity. In Mangina, 11 people were massacred. So many voters are dying during the election campaign. Right from the start of the campaign, we asked the security services to protect the towns where the electoral campaign will take place. The armed forces in the DRC condemned this electoral incident, claiming that it was perpetrated by a group of armed bandits, but reject the hypothesis of IDF action. Captain Anthony Moilushai, spokesman for Sukula Air Operations, reassures that the electoral process is secure. 
de service de sécurité ne nous confirme pas. According to the information we have, the security services have not confirmed that these were ADF terrorists. So it's a group of men. As an army, we have taken the necessary measures to secure the candidates, voters and workers, agents and equipment of the Independent Electoral Commission. This attack in the Beni region is not the only one that occurred in the east of the country. Last week, another candidate was killed by armed bandits while campaigning in South Kivu province. Ahead of elections, many are concerned about growing security in eastern DRC. Security is an issue that needs to be really tackled in the DRC. Zanim Neti Zaidi, thank you so much for that report. Yeah, so what measures do you think can be taken to guarantee a smooth and trouble-free election in the DRC? That's the question we asked on our Facebook page, TW Africa. Mary Selling Chelsea says, free election in Africa is just a cheap talk. It never happens unless miraculously those in government are willing to make that happen. And Jai Lopes Okiro says nothing like free and fair in this continent. What will happen is part of African politics and norms amongst the leaders. Mm, and uh, one from Ilunga Kenyatta says, I appreciate our Zambian brothers and sisters who respect decent politics. No gun has ever been used when changing power. So basically saying that there are countries that have peaceful transitions mm-hmm. of power. Yeah. Okay, keep those comments coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Now, uh, I'm sure over the weekend uh, you saw Facebook or social media platforms buzzing because of uh, what, what the tension sort of brewing between Kenya and the DLC. Well, just to let you know how things went down, Kenya says it has launched an investigation into activities of the new Congo River Alliance that was officially announced in Nairobi, Kenya. It's an alliance involving Congolese national and other armed groups, including M23 rebels, who have seized territory in eastern Congo. That's right, Eddie. Konele Nanga, a former head of DRC's Electoral Commission, seems to be playing the leading role of what he calls a political military alliance. The move sparked an angry response from the Congolese government who warned Kenya off in court's Consequences. That's right. Now, Kenya says it strongly disassociates itself from any utterances or activities likely to injure the peace and security of the friendly nation of DRC. In quotes, that's according to Foreign Minister Musalia Mudavadi. That was in a statement. So, what makes this new political military alliance so concerning? I asked Yvonne Muya, a DRC expert and researcher of the Great Lakes region. It's a classical in Congo, seeing movements with uh, claims, you know. What is new and surprising is uh, this new movement being directed by a former chairman of uh, uh, election organization in Congo. That is very surprising. Uh, the second point is that uh, this movement was launched in a country which is supposed to be a partner of DRC in the Uh, Eastern African uh, Community uh, Organization. You know, this is uh, something that is not uh, understandable. Why did they choose Kenya to introduce themselves? First of all, uh, Kone Nanga uh, was there in exile since he broke up with uh, uh, the current power in Congo. He's there for almost some months now. And uh, seeing Kenyan authorities... Watching that and uh, do nothing, 
that means a lot for uh, the nature of uh, relations between these countries. Could Kenya have prevented the alliance from being announced on its soil or did it just allow it to happen? And what does that mean? Yeah, we all listened to the uh, Kenyan president, uh, William Ruto, explaining that uh, it's a democracy. In democracy, you can, uh, uh, you can stop uh, anybody who have a speech to make. But the thing is, uh, this is not uh, uh, a simple speech. It is, uh, for me, a threat to a, a country which is a partner in that uh, Eastern African community. So Kenya could... Uh, at least show to the Congolese authorities they are doing uh, something to stop that movement. But in uh, uh, listening, the president, uh, Kenyan president, you can you can see that there is not willing to stop that movement. Why would Kenya support an alliance like that? Kenyan could do that in response to what is seen as an humiliation in the Kenyan and Eastern. Uh, African communities' perspective, where uh, Congolese uh, authorities ask them to leave the country. What does this new alliance hope to achieve? For them, Congo nation is in danger. They are accusing current uh, authorities to put Congo in danger, uh, as uh, President Chisekedi asked for mercenaries to uh, fight uh, alongside with uh, Congolese army. For Kornenanga, this is a a treason, and uh, uh, the, it is uh, putting at risk Congolese soldiers. What does this new alliance mean for security and political stability in the DRC and the overall region? It is a bad news. There are hundreds and hundreds of uh, armed groups in the eastern of Congo. Having a new one, that is not a good idea. If we do nothing for this, we will have another movement. Congolese authority have to uh, build the army, to reinforce, to empower the Congolese army, uh, to give them capacities to fight and win war. Secondly, they have to have mechanism of uh, dialogue negotiation. You know, it is not only about the force, it's uh, uh, also about to discuss with all these groups to find which groups have claims that can be addressed and to find specifically a solution to those conflicts. I was speaking to Yvonne Muya, a DRC expert and researcher of the Great Lakes region. Keep it Africa Link. It's a quarter past, and thanks for staying with us. If you just joined us, this is DW's Africa Link program with me, Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. That's where the show is live. And we also appreciate our listeners listening to our partner stations around the world. Now, still to come on the show, Zimbabwean government gives green light for supply of treated water to South Africa amid a cholera outbreak. Exporting purified water to South Africa is irrational, considering acute shortages of water in the western parts of Zimbabwe. Josie, let's just... 
get straight into that story. Absolutely. Zimbabwe's government has announced that it is starting a multi-million dollar project of exporting purified water to neighboring South Africa. That's part of efforts to raise the much-needed foreign currency. However, as our correspondent Columbus Mavunga reports from Harare, Zimbabweans are baffled by the decision as most urban areas do not have portable water, while some, including the capital city, are battling to contain waterborne disease cholera, which has claimed hundreds of lives as people depend on untreated water. Responding to the government's announcement that it would export purified water, Professor Shumba, director of Arada Residence Trust, says the decision is wrong for many reasons. Exporting water, purified water, to South Africa is irrational. It's a very bad deal considering acute shortages of water in the western parts of Zimbabwe, in particular in Blawayo. We were meeting with the residents from Blawayo earlier today. They are so angry. We totally agree with them. That is an improper deal that benefits only those who are involved and not the country. Neither does it benefit the residents of the city of Blawayo. It's not only Blawayo facing water shortages. Many urban areas in Zimbabwe go for days without tap water as authorities struggle to import treating chemicals. That is forcing residents to drink untreated water, resulting in waterborne diseases such as cholera, which has claimed more than 200 lives this year alone, according to official information. Jenfan Muskwere, Zimbabwe Information Minister, still maintains exporting water to South Africa is a good deal. The benefits of this agreement include the following. An improved water resources cooperation and governance framework, improved livelihoods for the people of Zimbabwe due to generation of the much-needed foreign currency. He, however, does not talk of the more than 12,000 suspected cholera cases due to drinking unsafe water in the country. Cloud put a programs officer at Bulawayo Progressive Residents Association weighs in on exporting water to South Africa. It's really worrying because our major cities are having challenges in terms of uh, supplying adequate water to the citizens of Zimbabwe, but we are seeing that we are now supplying another country with water whilst we haven't actually fixed our own internal affairs. If we do have the muscle to actually supply South Africa, then why aren't we prioritizing our own cities? For instance, Bulawayo just introduced water shedding schedule at a time whereby we are we as a country have been hit by a cholera outbreak, which calls for adequate water to be supplied to citizens at a household level. So this is very much concerning to us. So we need to get our priorities straight. That remains to be seen if those calls will make the government change its mind and first provide clean water to Zimbabweans first before it starts exporting water to South Africa. That's a wish for every Zimbabwean right now. Thank you so much, Columbus Mavunga, for that report. That's right. Now let's talk about shadows of German colonialism. This is a series exploring how German colonialism in Africa met fears, resistance, and descended into exploitation and violence. We find out how Germany's colonial legacy is remembered today. 
That's right, Eddie. Through podcasts and short videos produced by DW, Shadows of German Colonialism sheds light on Germany's devastating colonial history across the continent of Africa. Yeah, we discover how Germany's territorial conquest led to exploitation and unimaginable violence and how that colonial oppression still impacts societies in Tanzania, Namibia, Togo, and Cameroon to this day. Now, lead producer of the project, Kai Nebe, is live with us in the studio to tell us more about the podcast and the recent launch. Hi, Kai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hi, guys. Just uh, <laughs> lovely to be in the studio again. I just got back from uh, Tanzania. Yeah, right, right. Tell us uh, how the project is going and, and how it's being received out there. Yeah, so it, it was it was really eye opening for me as well. Actually, when we got to Tanzania, which is where we launched the uh, project, it was uh, really surprising to also see that there were a lot of people who knew about it uh, coming uh, coming in before we'd ex- actually launched about it. The word mm-hmm. had gotten out, so it was very interesting for me to see just how much awareness was about the issue. Of course, one of the reasons we chose to launch in Tanzania was kind of also first of all, Tanzania was uh, or German East Africa at the time was the biggest. Uh, chunk of East Africa that was under German colonial rule, but also recently there have been moves by the German government towards Tanzania to at least try to begin righting the wrongs that were committed during the colonial era. Mm. So I know you mentioned that you launched it in Dar es Salaam. So was it only Tanzanians that attended the event or we also had Africans from other African countries? There were some uh, individuals that had come from across the field uh, to attend the event, but most of the people who attended were actually, and this was really cool, was actually young uh, students as well as some school children as well that attended and it showed that there there is actually a deep-rooted and also, um, how would you say, grassroots interest in the subject that, uh, you know, also needs to be said because this is a very long history uh, that needs to be told throughout um, throughout the Tanzanian uh, school curriculum and also wider in around the society. Mm. Uh, Kai, uh, tell us more about why the launch was done in Dar es Salaam and why you found out it's important that history is not forgotten. Well, first of all, because, uh, you know, the German Germany had a very big uh, colonial empire in Africa and that has kind of gotten sort of forgotten in some parts because they the most, all German colonies were taken over by either France or Britain after World War One, mm. But the German colonial impact was massive and it's sort of gone under the radar a bit, but it has, it has now come more to light. And together with my colleague, Julia Hitz, uh, we worked very hard on using multimedia to actually get the message out. So we used um, audio podcasts, short videos, and also online articles for which people can at least get a reference to what was going on in, during that time. Mm. And what was the best moment of the event, if you can just recall, uh, Kai? So I think the best moment was afterwards when we'd opened the floor to the discussion and it was fascinating because during the panel discussion it was really quiet mm-hmm. people were just listening intently but as soon as we opened the floor it burst into loud discussions of people were very mm-hmm. very excited come from all walks of life really interested in the topic there was there were arguments there was back and forth debate it really showed okay we may have touched some something here that people actually need a platform to discuss about 
Do you rem- no, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember some of the, the the statements or the quotes that people were actually um, maybe like debating on? I would really want to hear that. There, there was certainly a thing they were asking. Of course, you know, um, you know. The, recently, of course, we had the situation where the German president Frank Walter Steinmeier had come to Tanzania to apologize mm-hmm. and also kickstart the the move to at least return some of the human ra- remains in Germany, which are of Tanzanian soldiers and Tanzanian fighters that are still lying in. German museums and the debate that really got me thinking was about you know why you know is that enough that Germany is doing you know we can talk about this day and night but we actually need to see some action that was the thing that really was uh, was was interesting for me to see that people were so engaged and they were actually following the mm-hmm. events mm. with or without us being there mm. I mean you really got me hooked on this guy if, if I'm to be honest uh, briefly on this uh, some people listening who may be wondering you know, it's such a hard topic you know, when you want to revisit history and all, you know, the brutality caused by colonialism. Why should people really be interested in this? Well, because it is just because it's hard and difficult and controversial history doesn't mean we can forget it. And in fact, the deepest wounds are those that we just never try to heal. And we're very, very far from coming to some sort of situation where we can say this chapter is done or what. I think it's only the beginning of this. But I think uh, the, the Shadows of German, German, German Colonialism um, series really does try to at least shed light on this. You know, mm-hmm. even some of the panelists on our stage, that was the thing that I didn't realize. They didn't even know some of the stories we talked about. Mm, okay. So that must have been a very beautiful and informative uh, launch, Kai. So if in case people want to catch that debate or what happened at the launch, how can they do that? Where can they find it? The best place to see it is on our DW uh, website at Shadows of Colonialism. We'll link it in the Facebook page later today mm-hmm. um, where you can actually see all the things in English. There are remembers videos, audios, and also some online text as well. Okay. Thank you very much, Kai, for that. Now, Showbiz is this time focusing on sports. There was a lot of action happening over the weekend. Crispin Wackadale has more on that. Let's begin in Ghana, where reggae dancehall artist Samini has responded to Shatawali after he took to social media to make a joke out of the hashtag Play Ghana campaign. The artist mocked the pioneers of the movement on why they want to ban foreign music in Ghana. Briefly, after the Creative Arts Agency, the leaders of the hashtag Play Ghana campaign, led by Ms. Gian Kroma Akufuado, held a press conference to clear all misconceptions surrounding the campaign. Shatawale took to his official X, that is formerly Twitter, to question the intentions and feasibility of the campaign. In his post, he asked why the advocates want to ban foreign music. And still in West Africa, fans of both Davido and Wizkid were thrilled to witness the rare display of friendship between the two Nigerian music icons as a video showing the duo sharing a close moment has gone viral on social media. In the heartwarming clip, the duo, who are frequently at the center of fan debates over who is the better artist, put all speculations to rest. The video quickly garnered attention from fans and music enthusiasts alike, with many expressing their excitement and admiration for the two artists coming together. And from the west to the east, in Kenya, a spectacular online event that took place on Saturday celebrated hip-hop and lyrical sensation Collins Majali, popularly known as Kolo, marked two decades in the music industry with a special unplugged session dubbed Kolo Unplugged. 
streaming exclusively on Color's official platforms, the legendary rapper took fans on a nostalgic journey performing hits that have defined his illustrious career. From his early days with the award-winning group Kleptomaniacs to his thriving solo career and collaborations with renowned artists, Kolo showcased the diverse musical palette that has characterized his two-decade-long presence in the music industry. Africa Link. Sport. And now to some football update. Bayern coach Thomas Tuchel was relieved to see his star striker shake off the effects of a cold to feature in his 14th Bundesliga game of the season. Already short of several players due to injury going into this key encounter against high-flying Stuttgart, the Bavarian tactician received another late blow with news that Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich were laid low with illness. Much improved under Jess Torup, going six unbeaten before losing to Werder Bremen last weekend, Augsburg made a confident start as Friedrich Jensen pinched wide before flashing a probing pass across the face of goal. Dortmund, 11 points off leaders by Leverkusen at the start of play, responded in kind through Marco Reus, who attempted to find the bottom corner was thwarted by Augsburg stopper Finn Dahmen. Dortmund have only won one of their last six Bundesliga games. Jose Mourinho has brutally shut down Arsenal's chances of winning this season's Premier League title, believing it to be a straight shootout between Manchester City and Liverpool. The Gunners ended the weekend sitting top of the table by a point after they beat Brighton 2-0 and Liverpool were held goalless by Manchester United on Sunday. And it's back to you, Josie and Eddie. Thank you, Crispin Mwakideo. Mourinho suggests, you know, harsh on some of his comments. You know, his Roma side, his Roma side lost <laughs> He's two nil. always like that. Two nil over the weekend. You know, sort out your stuff at home first. Mm. Josie, it was it was a big weekend for you, wasn't it? You were on the Bundesliga oh my commentary. God, don't go there. Don't go. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I uh, mean, I am falling in love with the game, and um, mm. yeah, it was a good experience. It's just that it was not. That like one of those good games. Yeah, it was what it was a Dortmund game, one one. Dortmund and Augsburg, right? yeah, one one. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of this whole twelve minute um, silence in the stadium, I think it's really like derailing the teams. Yeah. You know, players want that noise. Yeah. It really makes them feel good when they walk into the pitch and okay. there's noise. But it was so quiet. Okay. Yeah. Guys, I can't recognize Josie now. <laughs> Talking like a pro when it comes to sports. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning into the program. I am Eddie Michael Jr. And I'm Josie Mahachi. And Till tomorrow, take care. Made for minds.